with the microphone. Yep. Probably need to keep it pretty close. You can actually move it however you want. So. Well, yeah, you'll have yeah, to yeah. tell me. I what you've done there is perfect. I okay. You just, need, you just need it a bit closer. So if you just swing the arm closer to you. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, perfect. Give it a kiss. We ready to start, Braden? Sounds good. You ready to start, Rob? I'm fine, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Chip Lunch Podcast. As always, it's wonderful to have you along with us, whether you are on YouTube or on your favourite podcast app. Uh, I'm joined by two wonderful people today. Brayden. Oh, thank you. <laughs> starting, with comf- starting with love and kindness. So yeah, starting, with, starting on a positive note. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, excellent to have you along here. Excellent you uh, said here. you have been up late practising music. Oh, uh, yeah, correct? I was up late practising music last night for a band night we've got tomorrow. Oh, tonight? Well, tonight mm. we've moved we've shifted uh yeah with um it's our first combined night with um soul revival and mcc as well oh so cool. our youth groups are coming together nice. and we're going to do a band night it's gonna be very fun very so cool looking forward to s- hanging out with all the crew and having some fun and yeah how many songs are you banging out today uh, tonight we've got eight down and we might add a few later if Ooh, we need to a few uh <laughs> Encore, Encore late request <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we might sub in if we need to. That's but cool. yeah, it's fun. It's fun to get to play music with um, a bunch of people who've been playing music with a long time, but it's also very fun to use it as an excuse to get together with churches and have fun and praise <laughs> God together. So yeah, it'll see. be awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Rob. Sir, how well, are you? Good, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I don't know. Do we have many people on the podcast who just only have a moustache? Because I, I, I like the moustache. I haven't been counting. Right? I feel like there's a few beards, but I don't a few know. beards. But well, I, I grew the moustache to frighten my grandchildren about <laughs> uh, eight years ago. Oh, that's a good and they just, just laughed and laughed. So. <laughs> 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 well, that's cool. Um, oh, Elliot had a moustache. Ah, yes, yes. He was on recently, episode ninety nine. This is episode one hundred and two. As we said, Rob. Wow, wow. There's yeah. been quite a few of them. It doesn't quite feel like meetings. we've done a hundred odd episodes, does no. it? No, not yet. Not yet? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's because I haven't been on a hundred of them. <laughs> Either have I, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So who yeah, ran we'll them before you did? Well, I run the ship. Uh, but we, we captain, my captain. <laughs> yeah, we've swapped in and out, and sometimes I'm away. Yeah. And things like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. You would be the closest to a hundred. I, think, I, I <coughs> think I've probably been on more mm. than anyone yeah. else. Because there's yeah. only a couple where you weren't there mm. at the start, I feel like. Yeah, there's a few at the start, and then there's... Because that was during lockdown. Correct. That's right. Uh, and then there was also a couple of times where I was away where you, you and Ethan stepped in. Yeah. And then we uh, brought it all together on episode 100 with Lou. Yes. And here we are. <laughs> yes. And Lee came out today. Oh yes, oh, I can't give away what date it is, can I? Or yeah, it's fine. People, people re- figure it out. We it's record the, a week in advance. Is the magic dead? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we record a week in advance. So yes, yes. Okay. You said tonight, but it actually would have been last Friday night yes. when this episode. What a great out. night it was! <laughs> <laughs> Your estimated number of audience, size of audience? Uh, I think it's in the millions. At least one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been drinking too much tea, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it's mainly people from our church, but I think we usually depends on what episode it is. But it usually gets at least fifty downloads. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. It's difficult with podcasts to see the actual res- like how many people are listening to the whole thing. But and then the chip lunch or, uh, on um, YouTube as well, it will hover between twenty and fifty as well, depending on who's on there. For some reason, and I said we said this before, Kim's episode has 
wildly more downloads than anyone else's. It's like it's 170 popular. or something. So I thought Tim's was winning. Oh, Tim's, Tim's might have been. Tim's is winning on YouTube, I think. Ah, okay. Because he posted it on his Facebook. Ah, yes. Oh, right. Yeah. So then, anyway, post to the Chip Lunch podcast on Facebook. We're starting to put clips out too. Yeah. Which is... Uh, I saw my face popped up the other day. I was very disturbed. Oh, really? I was scrolling through reels. <laughs> what? How did this <laughs> get <this> here? Guy? <laughs> but that was, I think, a shock absorber one. That wasn't a chip lunch one. Yeah, okay. Yep. But yeah, I saw a clip from Lou's one yesterday. It was very cool. Yes, put that up yesterday. It was very cool. It's cool with the orange background because we filmed that at Miranda Congregational. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> we do have a guest. We do have a guest, Rob. We did introduce <laughs> you. Um, thank you for coming on. Have you done a podcast before? I don't think I have. Oh, yes. first time for everything. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we always like to start the, the podcast with one question, which is not why is the rain coming, because I just heard it on the roof, <laughs> but uh, how do you like to eat your hot chips, Rob? That's a very good question. Thank you. Look, um, do not please, do not fry them <laughs> in a dripping that's come from beef Ooh. or uh, lamb, which sort of indicates my background, but only if the... Something like um, olive oil or, uh, you know, some oil from a grain. Yep. Mm. And if you do that, I love them. Oh, just Ooh. anything. Yep. Do you have – now, the, one of the questions on the podcast is always, what salt do you like on them? Well, I, I'm, I'm favourable towards both chicken salt and salt salt. Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's like Lou when she does oh. half and half. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. But I think chicken salt is still in the lead. Is that yeah, correct? Oh, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why no beef? Why no yeah. beef tallow or anything like that? Oh, I think it just makes uh, anything you um, fry yeah. and beef uh, tallow and uh, or uh, lamb tallow because we yeah. I came off uh, a, a, a sheep farm hmm. oh, uh, yeah, tends yeah. I think in my view tends to make it a bit fatty. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Bit too thick, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. you need something yeah. to cut through it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's kind of gone out of fashion anyway. What? Like oh, it has. It has. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess vegetable oils yeah. a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Getting into our <laughs> chip economy. Yeah, the economics of frying chips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just interested. Do you have any uh, condiments with it as well? Oh, oh, you know, pepper. Oh, pepper. Yeah, yeah. That's a new one. Oh, okay. Have we yeah. had pepper before? I don't yeah. think so. That's yeah. cool. Not salt. Oh, you have oh, salt. salt. And yeah, salt and we just pepper. talked about salt. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. And so, I mean, you, you've hinted at it before, but uh, I asked the question of how did you become a Christian? Right. But this seems like it's related to where you grew up on the farm and things like that too. So I'm, I'm interested to hear how did you become a Christian, Rob? Right. I became a Christian just nearly 16 years of age, uh, 15 you know, heading to 16. Mm. Um, and our assistant minister at an Anglican church in Burnie, Tasmania, okay. um, very interesting guy, and uh, he started to get the youth group together and uh, teach us the Bible. And in that context, I, I became a Christian. Yeah. Really? That's cool. And so you said that he was an interesting guy. Why was that? Why did, why did you think that? That's a very good question. I mean, a 15-year-old or even a, let alone a 14-year-old isn't very observant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th I think it's because uh, he just seemed to be able to speak so clearly uh, about Jesus and sort of focus in, uh, you know, on what, say, the Gospels were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in that sort of area. Mm -hmm. yeah. And were you a family Christian? 
Um, my family is certainly a Christian background, uh, both wider and also closer. Um, but their, uh, my observation was that their Christianity deepened over the years. Okay. And, uh, and later when we came up to Sydney, especially my mother, yeah. uh, it deepened very much. Right. Yeah. And so did you... If you became a Christian when you were 15, 16, would that mean you were going to church prior to that? Yes, okay. yes, yes. So from, from a young age? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you look at the statistics for that period, you'll find that about 55 to 60% of Australians were, were churchgoers. Uh, that could mean anything from, say, three or four times a year to uh, regularly. And I think we were fairly regular churchgoers, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But you, I think you said, did you grow up on a farm? Yes, uh, my, my my father uh, ran an agricultural business in in the town, okay. but also ran a farm on the outskirts. So, right. <coughs> so uh, he, he was a busy guy, <laughs> and uh, he used to get us to help him. Yep. Oh, yep. Okay. What did that entail? Oh, which well, it would depend, of course. Um, you know what he could get us to do. <laughs> uh, he had a saying that uh, if you've got uh, Two, two of your sons working together with you, you've got no, you've got no help at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got one, you've got some pretty good help. Okay. Yeah. So it was mainly sheep? Yeah, mainly sheep. Okay. Yeah. yeah, fat lambs. Fat lambs? Oh, yeah. Mm. That's a very Tasmanian thing. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and at one stage, at one stage, um, the, uh, the spud market in Melbourne, most of... Uh, Tasmanian potatoes on the northwest coast okay. in those days were sold in Melbourne. Just uh, skyrocketed the price. It went up to £50 a tonne. I have no idea what that is in modern terms. Let's say it's $10,000. <laughs> and every farmer on the northwest coast suddenly started ploughing up every paddock they could have planted spuds. And we did that too. To make okay. money. Obviously. To make money, yes. Yeah, okay. But of course the price skyrocketed down yeah. well, well below £50 a tonne yeah. by the time they hit the market. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so we and others had a barn full of spuds we couldn't sell. Oh, really? Well, we just fed them to the pigs, yeah. Right. <laughs> How big was the farm? Um, not, uh, not that big. Uh, probably about 140 acres. I can't do that in hectares quickly. I'd have to pull something out That's and right. to do the calculations. But uh, the soil... Very, very good soil up there. Mm. Yeah, they used to joke that you could go out and throw seeds into the ground early morning and go back next morning and uh, reap. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Very, very good topsoil. I, I just did the quick calculation: 140 acres, 56.6 hectares. Fantastic. Okay. Glad lucky, to know. It. Lucky we've got the internet, hey. Yeah. yeah. So, can you tell me what it's like? I'm. I did not grow up on a farm. <coughs> What's it like growing up on a farm, in terms of? like the everyday life, because I feel like it'd be pretty different to, you know, I just lived in a suburban context in the entirety sure, of my life. Sure, Well, you've got to understand, when I say I grew up on a farm, that was sort of part-time. So we lived in Burnie Town. Okay. Ah, okay. okay. And occasionally, uh, we'd spend school holidays um, in the old farmhouse. Um, so growing up on a farm for me was part-time in that sense. And also on the weekends, you know, Dad would grab one or both of us and take us up and uh, get us to help him out. <laughs> well, well, somewhat, anyway. <laughs> what yeah. uh, do you think? How do you think that shapes you as a person growing up on a farm or, or being part-time farmer compared to anyone else that just grew up in the city? Oh, I, I don't know enough to to answer that question. I think. Um, 
I can I think it's shaped me in the sense that uh, I I really do appreciate agriculture if I can put it that way. Um, I like driving out in the countryside, <laughs> um, and uh, once or twice I've been out. Uh, on Christian work in rural rural areas, and always have enjoyed it very much. Mm. So it gives you an appreciation for how how the rural part works. Mm. Uh, also, of course, we lived in a, a town. I mean, it's massively sized. I think it was fifteen thousand at peak, so it was pretty big. Um, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say because yeah. I looked it up on the map, and I was like, it doesn't look like a huge place. <laughs> oh well, it was less than the 1950s and 1960s. You're I'm right. sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So where is it? It's on the north coast. Northwest coast? Yeah, it's oh, right yeah. on the, yeah. I'm just zooming out. Yeah, oh, yeah. northwest, yeah, yeah. that part of oh, Tasmania. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's also, uh, was then, but is now, I think, also a port, a very important port. Is it? Um, so that was an interesting place to grow up in that sense. Yeah, right. I mean, I've been to Tasmania. It's a, it's a very nice place. Were your parents from there? Like, how did they end up there? Uh, well, the parents... My parents and most of my relatives are Tasmanian, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, they came from more down the Hobart Way, south. Ah, okay. um, my father moved around a bit. Mm. He was on the east coast for a while on, the, on his father's farm. They were full-time farmers. Yeah. Okay. And his father moved into real estate so <laughs> okay. in, in, in Hobart. Oh, wow. I think he told me once that he made more in one year that he in, in selling real estate in Hobart than he made in 10 years on the farm. <laughs> okay. So you can understand the, the career change. <laughs> wow. So then from becoming a Christian from 15, 16, as yep. you said, what's, what's life look like after that? And the question I often ask people is when they tell us when they became a Christian is what changed for you after that time? Well, I, I think what changed for me was that I could see the direction that a definite direction I was going in. That is, I understood God's path, if I can put it that way. Mm. Um, and therefore that then forms your values or continues to form your values. So as you try and move down that path, so to speak, as a follower of Jesus, um, you, le- you learn to say no to some things much more clearly than your, some of your uh, mm. companions will say no to. And yes to other things, mm-hmm. if I can put it that way. Yeah, I, so I, it's a growth, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, sorry, just you saying that makes me think of a lot of people have come on here like, from when they became a Christian, what they said yes to and what they said no to became a lot clearer. Is that the yes. same case for you? Yeah, yeah I would say that would be the case, especially when you're 15 or 16 because you're, you, you're in that period anyway of uh, growth when you're you know, starting to clarify your mind on where you sit in the world and so on and what, what you're going to do. Yep. Yeah, okay. Mm. And then from then, what was your kind of thoughts around finishing school? Well, can uh, I quickly backtrack a little of bit? Of course What was can. school, what did school oh, look yeah, like in, in Bernie? Oh, it was, uh, it was terrific. Yeah. Uh, used to, we used to walk to school. Yeah. Um, about, yeah, oh, I'd have to guess a bit, but I'd, uh, probably about two or three miles. What's that in kilometres? Uh, 1.6. 1.6. Oh, no, no, you've got to no, time. No, that's terrible. That's wrong. Hang on. No, no. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's... Well, that's let's just mass, round yeah. it and say three kilometres. Three miles, 4.8. It might have only been 1.8 or whatever. It's almost five. Okay. That's a long walk, though. It's not a long walk. No, not if you're a country guy. Besides, you're walking into the west wind. 
um, where the oh. school was. And uh, the west wind in, uh, in Tasmania, especially along that coast, is really strong. I mean, yeah. there's nothing, there's no islands between Tasmania and South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the wind comes from. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, real rain. Not, yeah. not the spitter spatter stuff we're getting at the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that was, went to Burnie High School. A very yeah. good school. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, as they say, we loaded the truck up when I was about 16 and uh, we drove through uh, Melbourne and uh, my father came and took up work here in Sydney. So okay. I spent oh. the last two years of high school at Normanhurst Boys High. Okay. Yeah. How big of a numbers change was that? So, like, how many people <laughs> yeah. were at Burnie High School? Oh. How many people were at... Um, well, you've you got to understand that uh, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds don't sort of really concern yeah. themselves with those sort of questions, yeah, but yeah. I would think, uh, the terrible guess, maybe 300 at uh, Burnie High. Yeah. I, I mean, I really don't know. Okay. However, Normanhurst Boys High was much bigger. Yeah. And my guess is probably 600. But I did know okay, this, so that when we crazy. got into fifth year, which was the final year then, the yeah. leaving certificate. Or fifth form or whatever. Yeah, fifth they form, call it, yeah, whatever they call it. Um, we were the largest cohort in New South Wales to the leave certificate uh, wow. to that point in history. Really? I yeah. think there were over 200 of us, somewhere between 220. Wow. What year was the that? Leave certificate. What year was that? Oh, you're pushing it here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we can Not cut that question out if you want. <laughs> Probably 1964. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The set book for English then, uh, well, the set Shakespeare and text for English that year was Macbeth, which I enjoyed very much, I might say. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Can, you, can you remember any lines from it? No, not very much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I can sort of remember the feel and uh, the, the crazy lady walking around, and let alone Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking up best lines from Macbeth. Um, yeah. Good to know the curriculum. Well, ask an AI. I mean, it'll probably recite it for you. Yeah, probably yeah. will. Yeah. Oh, 60 significant quotes from Macbeth. Fair is foul and foul is fair. Yes. Mm. What bloody man is that? <laughs> 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 if you can look into the seeds of time and say which grain will grow and which will not. Mm. True words, never spoken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. true. <laughs> what can the devil speak true? Mm. There's daggers in men's smiles. <laughs> That's what I think of you, Braden. Context is everything. Yep. <laughs> double, double, toil well and trouble, and yeah. fire, burn and cauldron yeah. bubble. That's a famous one. I've heard Yeah, that that's the three witches. Start, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why did your family decide to move to Melbourne and then obviously up to Sydney? What was the plan uh, there? Well, obviously, uh, a teenager doesn't know the full depth of background, yeah. but... Tasmania's biggest export is her children um, <laughs> because they, no, <laughs> the number of uh, cousins and nie nieces and nephews that have migrated across the ocean uh, to Melbourne and further north in, yeah. in order to find work. So my father just uh, was offered a better job um, in the machinery sales. In this case, it was trucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was white trucks. I don't know if white trucks are still sold, but he moved from there into, oh dear, I've forgotten the name, Kenworth Trucks. Oh, yeah. Yep. And became national um, head of the national distribution of Kenworth Trucks. So he did pretty well in that industry up here. I think with that sort of insight, so to speak, yep. um, we moved. So you, do you get on it? I mean, the spirit of Tasmania wasn't there at the time. What do you, what do you I get? I think it's still there, yeah. 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 <laughs> what, do you get, what do you get on at that? that 
that long ago, what do you get? Do you just get on a barge across to, to, to <laughs> Melbourne? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, well, the best of my knowledge, uh, you drive on and then you drive off the other end. Okay, very and good. And it's okay. still the case because, uh, uh, God willing, my wife and I and a few friends are going to head south again yep. and ah, have yes. a couple of months in Tasmania oh, nice. uh, next year. So That's lovely. Yep. Very cool. And then so you drove up from Melbourne to Sydney? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what car you were driving? Yeah. Oh, a I Valiant. Would like this no, a Valiant, a Valiant. Valiant. My father Valiant. also sold Valiants. Oh, did he? Oh. Yeah. What, what didn't he do? <laughs> he was doing everything. Well, you've got to understand, it's a small country town, so <laughs> yeah. if you're in an agricultural uh, a machinery business, you sell everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, it was a white Valiant. Beautiful vehicle. It's before they changed the shape and, and made it boring, made them look like Fords. So. Oh, <laughs> bloody Fords. yeah. Valiant. So we got a guess, probably be a 1962 or 63, could be around about there. Yep. Very cool. That's very cool. So then if you finish at Normanhurst, yep. biggest finishing year, as you said, what was your plan after, after school? Um, oh, okay. I, I wanted to study medicine, so I went, uh, entered uh, medicine, uh, medical faculty oh, wow. at uh, Sydney University and managed to fail twice in three years. And, and <laughs> Uh, so that that said, there's the door. Uh, you can't you can't continue on in medicine. Uh, by that stage, I started to get my act together because I didn't come from an academic family. Yeah. And uh, work out how to better study, and okay. I finished up doing a science degree in biochemistry and microbiology, wow. uh, which I enjoyed very much. And then went on to work as a scientific officer at Prince of Wales Hospital and Prince Henry uh, before they sold it and turned it into flats. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty big shift going from like. <coughs> maybe your background to going straight into medicine did you enjoy school like was that obviously was you were somewhat gifted academically if you've made that jump to at least giving medicine a go and then um sciences yeah i didn't dislike school i don't yeah. know I, I i don't know how happy i made my teachers <laughs> 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 um, i think i improved towards the end of school uh, my behavior yeah. than in, earlier on I certainly got less cuts of the cane later on. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I enjoyed school, but it, I didn't get wrapped in school, if I can put it that way. Yeah. And my interest uh, in uh, my church yeah. and youth group and so on was growing. Yeah. Um, and that uh, became an important facet of my life. But, mm. no, I, I, I thought school was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How did um, moving to Sydney change church context-wise? What did that look like for you? I, that is hard to say. Yeah. Um, both churches, uh, both the one in Burnie and up here, were Anglican. Mm. I I think in those days they would have said the Burnie one was low Anglican. Tasmania is very much more mixed in its levels of Anglicanism mm -hmm. than uh, Sydney. It's not so much now. It's much more uh, evangelicalism is much more widespread yeah. uh, in Tasmania than it was then. And so in that sense, probably the churches were much the same. But yeah. uh, on, the other, on the other hand, it, some aspects, looking back, the church we went to in Sydney was also middle church as well as low church, if I can put it that way. Okay. In yeah. terms of like a jargon check, what is middle church, low church, <laughs> high Anglican, low okay. Anglican? Okay, well, uh, to give you a bit of history here, um, <laughs> the Anglican churches, uh, uh, right from the 16th century onwards have have been shall we say marked by two things in a way mm. um, one is a liturgy uh, which is written prayers which you would follow 
Yeah. They would have some variations within it, of course, but uh, basically same sort of pattern uh, each Sunday. And the, those prayers would be taken from the Bible and, and would be good Bible thoughts. So they're, they're very good prayers, even though uh, the, your ability to grasp them may be slightly beyond you, but I'll co- yeah. come back to that if you yeah. like later on, um, why we had to move towards simplifying um, the way we express prayers uh, in church. And the other thing that I think in general would um, characterise Anglicanism was teaching from the Bible. Mm. Now, this could be done well or badly or very good, if I might put it that <laughs> way, but certainly there was a place for that to happen yeah. every, every meeting, every mm. service. And the third thing would be a sort of a concentration on, on a formality yeah. in, in the way that you present yourself. So there'd be special clothing yeah. um, and so forth. And that would range from really, shall we say, Roman Catholic end yeah. down to something fairly, very simple, but okay. still formal yeah. um, at the low church end. Yeah, okay. So low high church, church closer church. to maybe Catholicism in terms of... yeah. Yeah, um, pre- presentation, yeah. Bro- bro- but always in English. It was always, always in, in English, English. Yeah. but maybe yeah, a bit. Yeah. And the priest would likely to be married, so ah, yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then low church, more maybe less formal, but still, I'm assuming if it's church in the '60s, yeah, more formal than yeah. maybe so, thongs and bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so that that really only cha- started to change in Sydney on a, on a broad front. Yeah. In the 1980s and following. Right. Yeah. To where we are now. Yeah. 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 Would you like to go back to the old days? you prefer now in terms of that stuff no not not uh, not especially i mean there are things um we thought should always look i think fairly positively but critically mm. when i use the word critical i don't mean neg- necessarily negative mm. yeah. but thinking critique uh, critique Critiqued. that's the yeah. word i want mm. critique yeah as well as deciding what's positive and negative and mm. there are some things i think we've lost moving out of um a set liturgy. Mm. I think the things we've lost is sometimes the breadth mm. of prayers that are in the liturgy, so they cover much more of the Christian life. Okay. Um, and, and sometimes some of the depth. Um, so there, there's some of the things we've had to come to grips with as we've moved away from liturgy. Mm. Um, my observation, at least in Sydney, is that liturgical background still obviously comes through in the way we do services much more informally now and in that i think we're blessed Mm. so we do have a a good range uh, of prayers in church and i think they do cover a good number of uh, topics and with some and with appropriate theological insight Mm. if i can put it that way yeah okay Mm. well it's uh, i think you've revealed new a back, your background in theological study, right. which oh, is let's like, move on. No, right. no, no, that's yeah. fine. I, it's, we're okay to jump around here. That's totally fine. But we'll, we'll maybe come back to your <coughs> uh, the point that you reached at at some point. But uh, I just want to go back to you when you were a scientist to begin with. Yeah. <coughs> what, what did that involve if you're working in the hospitals and and those kind of things? What you what were you actually doing? Well, you've got to understand the context back in the late 60s. Um, it's a fairly broad context, but, and I won't talk about all that context, but one, of the, one, one part of it was the expansion um, of services, hospital services, um, the way we do things, 
uh, administratively, uh, the way we build roads and so on, all that was starting to change. Yep. Now, one of, the, one of the benefits of doing a science degree was, every, not everyone, a lot of people wanted you to work for them. Um, there were shortage of people with science degrees and more and more were needed. So I got my first job before I actually graduated. <laughs> so I walked into a laboratory uh, down at Circular Quay, which is, uh, used to be on top, um, used to, well, it might still be owned by the Commonwealth Government. And on the third floor um, and the fourth floor were dedicated uh, to uh, testing materials um, in my, our case, it was, it was testing for salmonella, believe it or not, mm. uh, in meat and milk from virtually every dairy and um, butchery, it's uh, not the right word for it, um, slaughterhouse abattoir. in New South abattoir. Wales. Abattoir. Abattoir. Yeah. abattoir, thank you, brother. <laughs> abattoir. Uh, and also and from, uh, well, south of Queensland. To test it for salmonella, and to see if it was negative, so it could be exported. Oh, okay. Okay. okay, okay. So that's yeah. the, f the first job I had was there. Upstairs, by the way, they did real forensic. This was uh, Commonwealth Police, oh, okay. and, and you couldn't get up there without a pass. But anyway, well, <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes we'd speak to them as we went up and down the lift. Yeah. Okay. So I walked into there about three months before I graduated, and I asked, "Could I have the job?" And they said, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> that was the interview. It was quick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I worked there. And it was an interesting work, but very. No, it wasn't that interesting. It actually was quite boring. No, okay. Um, <laughs> and in those days, they they tailored the work um, that you have to do. This you have to treat all the samples they come in, mm. and when you run and when that's done, the spare time after that you have to sit down and read journals, right? Uh, okay. Scientific journals. And you realise that after a while, this is a fairly boring occupation. It's, a, it's important to do, but I don't have the, the right mindset to, be, you know, to do that sort of thing all the time. Mm. just drives me crackers. I could have <laughs> done what my immediate boss did. He built a, ha a house um, using the telephone on his desk <laughs> in, in his spare time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I then, worked in, I, I then worked, uh, moved over to the hospital system. Okay. New South Wales hospital system where there's much more work, okay. uh, and uh, and again, um, I had plenty of overtime because there weren't enough scientific officers, and that helped I and my wife build a house as well. So I had a lot <laughs> wow. of overtime, That's cool. which was very helpful. Yep. Uh, on the other thing that happened then, I don't know why I'm boring you with this, but you did no, ask. No. Okay, <laughs> this is good. I got a I got a letter I think after three months of graduation from New South Wales Education Department. Look. Would you like to come and teach uh, science in a high school? You don't need a diploma of education. Um, we're, we're wavering that uh, for anyone who will step straight into science. You can do your diploma of education part-time and we will pay for it. And not only that, you will start at level th uh, year three salary, not year really? one. Oh, wow. So they really wanted science They needed teachers. some science That's right. <laughs> so that's, that's how desperate we were. Yeah. And then I thought, well... Uh, I don't really want to teach people who are like me when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed, I stayed in the hospital system yeah. okay. until I moved into, into theology. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, okay, right. So I, I do remember that uh, Brain asked a question about church. So try, I'm trying to put all, everything together here. But 
uh, were you, if you went to Normanhurst Boys High, were yep. you in a church in, in that area? Uh, yes, at uh, Warunga, okay. if, you, if you know your suburbs. It's a up little on bit. the corner, yeah. Yep. yeah. And then you said also said that youth group was really important to you then. Is that right? Yes, very much so, yeah. yeah. And why, why was that? Well, I think for, for two reasons. Um, a lot of people uh, went to youth group, in a sense. Uh, it, it, it was a place where um, parents would send their children. Parents who didn't go to church would send their children mm. uh, so that they could meet other youth and, and mm-hmm. be in a safe environment, as mm-hmm. we would call it today, yeah. and so on. Now, that's, that's by and large finished, I think. Um, certainly it is in most suburbs. The youth groups are much smaller now. Um, and what has happened here more recently in Sutherlandshire through Stuart Crawshaw, I think is unusual. Very good, but it's unusual. So what can I say? Uh, so that was, it. <coughs> that was an important part of my, my life on Friday nights and Sundays. Yeah. Okay, so is that answer what, the question? Yeah. Or? Can I ask? Yeah. What did it look like, mm. other than being bigger, like what did you do at Youth Group? Mm. Oh, well, we did a bunch of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, if you were rocking up on a Friday night, well, what would that look like for you? Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, I don't remember very well, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you'd play a few games, I think. Uh, yeah. Certainly, um, you, would, uh, you could often eat together, mm. um, at least once a month eat together. Um, and there might be someone who would give a talk, um, if I can put it that way. Mm. Okay, yeah. and then you'd sort of finish up and go home. Yeah. Yeah. But the details of the finer details escape me, if yeah, I may yeah, say yeah. so. Oh, that's yeah. all right. You, you may say so. You're yeah. very welcome to. <laughs> yeah. um, and then also in that, you've also mentioned your wife. So when did you meet your wife? Ah, well, uh, <laughs> oh. we, <laughs> we met together at Sydney University in our okay. first year. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, yep. yep. Yeah, and uh, in the eva- in context of the Evangelical Union. I thought I was okay. going to ask you that, did you? Is that where you meet? Yeah, so I, I had, uh, I was, uh, as uh, most of us say, you're on a bit of a pilgrimage as a Christian. And uh, I, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to go to university next year. I'm enrolled there and I, I'm going to decide whether I'm going to take Christianity seriously. So... I'll think about which Christian group I will join. Should I join a Christian group? Um, So I went and spoke to two major Christian groups, and there were actually three, but I didn't visit the third one, which was the Anglican um, Christian group. Mm -hmm. Um, There was the uh, SCM and the EU, Evangelical Union, and the whatever SCM stands for. Uh, Don't look at me. Sydney Christian something? No, no, you can look it up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Historically, Sorry. it's there. Yeah, you keep talking. Okay, <laughs> I will. Okay. <laughs> so I, I decided, uh, a bit uh, immaturely, I think, I yeah. decided uh, those were the most friendly to me when I walked up to their <laughs> stall. Yeah. Um, I would start to attend their meetings. And it uh, turned out the Evangelical Union was that mob. So, ah, okay, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. And, and so in you that, met. In that context, um, because we're. In those days, we were, we were big enough. The Evangelical Union was the largest student group on Sydney University campus with 600 members. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah there was nothing, you know. You'd go to a, a Communist Party meeting, which I'd do from time to time. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, Socialist Party, Socialist no Party. Uh, which I did, occasion, did occasionally, you know. <laughs> there'd be 35 people there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ah. But uh, so what am I saying? Uh, in that context, mm. answer your question, I met my wife. So you're on, yeah. you're on a list? Good yeah. To know. Well, <laughs> each faculty, not each faculty, but the, it was so large you were broken up into faculty groups. Ah, okay. So yeah. the medical faculty had a fairly large cohort. Yeah. Um, who would who would meet together? Was she in the medical fa- yeah. faculty? Yeah, she was oh, doing okay. medicine one. Okay, and unlike me, she finished. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, SEM I think is student Christian movement. It is. I think it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, <coughs> seems like it started in Edinburgh. It did, and it was an it was an event um, started uh, by an evangelical preacher. Mm. Very cool. That's what yeah. it seemed like. And and like a lot of things, it uh, evolved over the time. And evolved into more uh, theological liberalism, mm-hmm. and that's uh, in that context the evangelical union. Um, we wasn't called it th- in those days, but that's uh, that's where it arose. Mm. Yeah, right. I was just trying to find his name, but I'm, I can't see it anywhere at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so you said you stayed in the hospital system until you decided to become a lecturer, or yep. you worked well, in no, the, the theological study. Yeah, the theological study with a view to becoming a minister of a church. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So when yeah. did that happen? Okay, well, in the context of being in youth fellowship, etc., and doing, a, you know, helping out with leadership, mm. the then curate said to me, "You ought to think very seriously about becoming, uh, going into full time ministry, Christian ministry." Right. And I immediately thought, well, I said, well, I'm going to do that. I got, they've got enough. They've got enough yeah. failures in the Christian ministry without me. <laughs> no, I actually thought that. You know, wow. uh, the last thing they need is another. At this stage, I was obviously heading towards yet another failure in medicine. You see, so ah, okay, yeah. uh, the last thing I think uh, they really need for the benefit of the church is someone who can't cut the mustard uh, <laughs> academically. So yeah. okay, but in that context. That would be put into my mind. So my then in that context we were married. Uh, my wife and I started to think and pray carefully about this, and we, so I decided about maybe after six months working as scientific officer, that's where eventually I would head towards. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So and we gave ourselves two years working as scientific officer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you haven't mentioned your wife's name, Rosalind. R O S L Y N. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, did you get married before you went into Christian ministry or after? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. And uh, you also built a house on the, over the phone like the other guy or not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, but it wasn't the work phone, best, <laughs> the best of my knowledge. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't the work phone. Right. Um, we, we got married uh, in my first year of work as scientific officer, so and we were able to rent a very, very cheap flat before they pulled it down yeah. uh, in Coogee. Oh, in Coogee. And it had a phone installed. No, I had to get a, no, I had to get a phone installed because <laughs> I had an on-call uh, work at night, you see. Oh, did you? And uh, right. the, whatever it was called, those telco came and put a phone in for me. I think, I think that's the phone I used to build the house, yes, yeah, at Hornsby. Right. Yeah. It wouldn't have been telecom back then even. It would have been something before that. Yes, yes. Yeah. I can't remember what that would no, have been No, I called. can't either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, so did Rosalind go into medicine? She did. Yeah. And she's still, well, she only just retired about two months ago. Really? Oh, wow. Mm. Cool. Doing, um, what does she usually focus on? Uh, general practice. Okay. She's done a, a number of specialist things, uh, not so much in Australia, but overseas in palliative care, but general practice. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. You guys are forging ahead in the, in the medicine space. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So then you moved to, well, you, you moved to Coogee. Yep. And then when are you taking up the 
when have you decided, oh, I can be a minister, <laughs> not a failure? <laughs> like yeah, well, as I said, uh, just at the beginning of my time uh, as a scientific officer, having passed um, uh, <coughs> my science degree uh, in, in the biological sciences, I thought, yeah, well, maybe I can do that. Right. That is, um, go and study to become a minister. At Moore College? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And just what was that like for you? Going to more college? Oh, it was very interesting. Very good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Very interesting group I ended up with. Um, and some very interesting teachers. Oh, why do you say yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, just tell, because tell they more. were. Yeah. Oh, they just yeah. were. Yeah. Oh. What year was that? Uh, well, that's a very good question again. Um, 71. 73. I think we graduated in 75. Oh, so is that okay. four years? You do the maths. No, so can't 70, be right. 70, <laughs> so 71. <coughs> no, no, no. 72. 72, okay. 73, 74, 75. That's four years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. okay. Very cool. And then out of there, you're like, I'm, I'm getting a job? Yeah, so I worked uh, assistant minister or curate, as they call him, called him in those days, uh, at Willoughby. Okay. Uh, for about two and a half years. And during that time, I decided it would be good if I could increase my knowledge of theology mm. uh, to deepen that um, and the best way of doing that is do further study mm-hmm. um, and on advice from Broughton Knox who was had been my principal at uh, when I was a student at Moore College um, I tried doing a master's degree part-time and that didn't work for me um, I come from a family who worked very long hours and uh, I'm part of that, if I can put it that way, so I didn't have enough time to do that. So I decided that if I was going to do further Christian studies, then I would have to do it full-time, mm. and I might as well go and have a shot at a PhD. So I applied to a couple of universities overseas to do something in the area of John Calvin. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> go, go, go. Like, we're about to delve into, I'm sure, deeper academic yeah. study. What do you think? You obviously you look fearful. No, well, no. yes. Well, it's not exactly my cup of tea, but it is. It is yes, a lot it of is. people's cup of tea. It is, it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I dip my toe in the water. I dip my yeah. toe in the water for the purpose yeah. of this podcast. Yes. At least. <laughs> um, obviously, college would have been a big shift from going out of that in the workforce. What do you think? How do you think God grew you in that time? Mm. Like, how did you see God work in your life as you've made that shift from working full time to? Being a student, at yeah, college. being student and Christian ministry is more of a aim and a formal okay. thing in your life. Well, look, ballpark, um, one of God's promises, which is given to us in the for, in, in, in its uh, sort of foundational form, um, as a statement of Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man's face sharpens another. Yeah, that is, we learn through relationships. Mm. Yeah, and. Um, the best, <coughs> excuse me. The best way to understand any area of knowledge is, in fact, it's uh, to do it face to face. Yeah. Um, with people who in a in a cohort mm. who are pursuing the same sort of knowledge, you, you're going to learn off each other. Yeah. Uh, if you discipline yourselves, of course. I mean, if you're just mad and drunk and so on, that, <laughs> that's not that's not going to work for you. Yeah. yeah. yeah take but note, Braden. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Stop coffee. So, in, in that context, being at more college full time. And also living on campus in one of the, shall we say, shacks, uh, <laughs> um, gives yeah. you the opportunity to 
to learn together as a cohort and discuss things and so forth and so on. You're really immersed in it. Really immersed. Mm. And in that, I found that my Christian knowledge deepened. Yeah. Very much so. And very much more than, say, my first degree in science. Yeah. Although I I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then did you end up, you say you ended up, did you go overseas to study John Calvin? Yes, I did. Where did you go? Okay. Um, Well, I ended up going to University of Aberdeen in Scotland. Ah. Okay. I, I applied to an American university and two English universities. And American University, <coughs> um, there was no way I was going to get in, so I di- and I didn't. Um, actually, I applied to uh, two, I think, in America, or was it three? Anyway, um, but um, basically the two English universities, Cambridge and Oxford, said, look, we're interested in, what, in your project, um, but there's really no one on faculty who could supervise you. Okay. And one said, uh, call back later and uh, you know, see if we, we can find somebody. But when I wrote to the University of, uh, uh, the professor at the University of Aberdeen, who I knew to be a Calvin scholar, uh, he basically, he, I got back uh, a handwritten letter. I was about to say, when you said you wrote to mm. them, it's not exactly an email, is it? It's a bit no, no, process. No. Yeah, yeah, process typed, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the sort of, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, most of the replies, especially for America, were just pro forma. Yeah, you know, been run off a cassette, uh, run, run off some sort of machine somewhere, but yeah. uh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but this was uh, this was um, uh, in his own writing, mm-hmm. and he said yes, he'd be interested in that, etc., and encouraged me. And I had been I had been told by the Archbishop of Sydney because I took this plan over with the Archbishop of Sydney. It's always good to keep uh, those who are looking after you from upstairs. Uh, in mind and these things. Mm. So I, I showed the letter uh, to one of his bishops and his bishop said, my boy, that's a word from God. You've got to go, for, got to, go to Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So what else could I do? Bishops yeah. must be obeyed. So that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. How did your wife take this plan to move mm. to Aberdeen? Ah, very well. Yeah. Uh, very supportive. Awesome. Yeah. Had yeah. you started a family by? We had. Point? We had two yeah. children, and yeah. we had came back with four. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so you're there for a, a bit of time. <laughs> yeah, for th- just over three and a half years, or just under three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. And uh, I've got two questions about that. But why, why Calvin? Why did you want to study Calvin so much? Well, um, in the, uh, I don't know. Uh, Braden can tell us this. But in those days, you had to you had to sign a piece of paper at Moore College towards the end of your four years saying, I have read Calvin's Institutes cover to cover. Yeah, okay. Okay. And uh, indeed, I had done that. And, uh, and indeed, with some discussion with, uh, about parts of it with colleagues mm. and also, you know, uh, uh, some of his writings would come up in the context of discussing, th- uh, well, being taught theology by Broughton Knox. So Calvin is clearly um, one of the great scholars uh, of the Reformation period. Mm. Um, and again, uh, as you would expect in those days, uh, what's the word for it? It'll come to me in a moment. I'd say multifaceted, but that's not the right word. He's um, across several disciplines. So multidisciplinary. Multidisciplinary. Thank you very much. Yeah. Multidisciplinary. <laughs> so he was a, a biblical exegete of some depth. Uh, as with Luther, he had uh, made sure that he understood not just Latin, but also Greek mm-hmm. and Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Okay, And he was also uh, a theologian, and he was also running a church. So he had a, 
a very wide as well as deep grasp of uh, Christian truth and its practice. And doctrine and yeah, things like yeah. that. Mm. And he also writes very well. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, very, in, in a sense, very clearly. Um, historically speaking, in fact, uh, it's acknowledged that the way he wrote um, biblical commentaries uh, changed the way that people wrote in those days okay. and became the foundation for the way we write biblical commentaries today. Right. Yep. Okay. So all that was like you wanted to go deeper on learning. Yeah. More so about I Calvin. wanted I wanted to explore uh, a problem in in Calvin, in in a way that would uh, force me to read right across Calvin, okay. and try and work you know look at the foundations and so on and how they might speak about this particular problem I was uh, uh, I was taking to Calvin to solve for me, not to solve for me but to answer my question. What was the question? Okay, well, <laughs> the primary question is, how do we make moral decisions as a Christian? Okay, oh, okay. okay. and how does Calvin view that? Yep. So that's kind of like the ethics of Calvin. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so my first thought, and this is back in Sydney, was natural law, yeah. which was very big in those days, um, and indeed had, had some, uh, what's the word, Im- import into... Western culture right up, I think, until after the Second World War. Um, Traceably so, but it's now gone, unfortunately, I think, from most of our legal thinking, our jurisprudence and so on, which is sad. Um, But So my question was, what is his view of natural law? Mm. Okay. And I very, very quickly moved into, no, that's actually, that needs to be refined as a question. Our moral decisions, and I got this from a piece of secondary literature written by an ethicist, and it clearly was true for Calvin, our moral decisions are actually made in the context of a wide number of factors, Mm. a wide number of truths. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I moved from just natural law, and I, I, I did read Calvin with a view to understanding how he understood and used natural law, and there was something there, but he wasn't like Thomas Aquinas. He didn't do everything from natural law. He would, uh, he would appeal to it from time to time. So that wasn't deep in the foundations. It wasn't the foundations, but it wasn't, shall we say, some of the, one of the major structures, if I could put it that way. It was an informative part, yeah. but it wasn't, so, so to speak, um, foundational. Yeah. Um, and I came to the conclusion that one of the greatest foundations was union with Christ. Excuse mm. me. <coughs> I can have a drink of water again. Union with Christ. Yeah. And so I wrote a thesis basically um, looking right across the range of his theology, seeing, uh, seeing how he talked about union with Christ mm-hmm. and the impact of that in the last chapter um, on moral decision-making. Yeah. Okay, so the title of the thesis, I can't remember the exact title, but it's about 35 words long. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that anymore. Yeah, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay. But the thesis ended up really being Union with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That gave me a platform on which to explore um, his whole theology and inform my own theology. Very cool. Okay. That is cool. Yeah. How long long was that, sorry? How long? long? You mean how many words? Uh, yeah, you can tell me that, but also how long did it take you to write those words? Oh, okay. Uh, three and a half years, we were in and out. Okay. Yeah. But 
my wife and I worked very hard mm. and, uh, <laughs> and we bought an electric typewriter ah. with a, one of those sort of golf ball-y things. I forgot what they're called now, but uh, second hand. Yeah. And uh, I would dictate and she would type. So. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Teamwork. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it was teamwork, yeah. yeah that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me, there's a, a writer called Robert Caro who wrote, uh, a, he's still writing a biography on Lyndon Johnson, the um, one of the American presidents. Yeah, president, yeah. Um, and it's he's written four <laughs> books on it already. And he's, he's, he's currently in the fifth one. And he does right. the same thing. He does all the research and everything himself. Yeah. But then his wife actually yeah. types it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, s- since since the inventing of the computer, I have to do my own typing. <laughs> <laughs> what um, was your favourite thing about Aberdeen? Mm. What was your least favourite thing about Aberdeen? Oh, it's pretty similar weather-wise to Tasmania. Well, like. we enjoyed uh, <laughs> we enjoyed Aberdeen very much yeah. uh, across a breadth of things. So I, I ran a church. I was uh, running a church part time there, and uh, that oh. it gave me the rectory to live in. Didn't give me much in the way of income. Well, that's helpful. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. But uh, at least somewhere to live, at least. Yeah, and uh, therefore, um, you know, serving Christian people and, and meeting with them, small number, mm. um, because the Episcopal Church, as it's called, uh, uh, which is sort of the equivalent of an Anglican church mm-hmm. uh, in Scotland, is a small denomination. Mm. And although it had historically been about a third of the churchgoers in Aberdeen, in the 1920s, 30s, maybe up to the 40s. The time I got there was, you know, quite small. Yeah. The Presbyterians, the major denomination. So in that context, uh, so what was the question I'm trying to answer? I was just saying, what yeah. was what what did you Aberdeen. enjoy about Aberdeen, and what was I, maybe okay, something so you didn't we, enjoy? We as enjoyed much? Uh, we enjoyed uh, our church. Yeah. Mm. And uh, things that go with that. Yeah. Being with people and talking with people. What else did we enjoy? Um, my wife was uh, got medical work uh, part time, and she enjoyed that very much. Mm. In fact, uh, um, the Christian doctors in Aberdeen had set up uh, a specialist practice just for uh, people who, shall we say, live off the street. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. because many of them will not go to general uh, to a normal practice. Yeah, uh, they feel out of place and so on. Yeah. So there was a refuge down in the centre of Aberdeen mm. and uh, so she used to go down there um, several hours a day and there were a couple of nurses involved as well. Wow. Yeah, that's really she well. enjoyed that very much. Yeah. Uh, very interesting stories came out of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'd be walking around Aberdeen and uh, all sorts of strange people would wave to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, wave to my wife and therefore yeah. to me because I was beside her. Yeah. <laughs> No, we enjoyed Aberdeen very much, I think, in that way. And we uh, had two extra children and, yeah. mm. and the, uh, all four of them were starting to grow up. Did, well, they, get, did they get um, a Scottish accent? Oh, yes. The, the <laughs> <laughs> what a blessing. <laughs> we came back to, uh, I came back to, to a job in Moore College and the cook then, uh, he, he had a really, really deep Scottish accent because he only migrated out here when he, I think when he was about 20. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he just loved talking to our kids. <laughs> <laughs> At least for the first 12 months after that, they lost it. <laughs> oh, did they? Okay. That's funny how that happens. Yeah, eh? it does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the worst part about Aberdeen? I don't think we got that. Oh. Well, you didn't enjoy the most anyway. Okay. Oh, e- even the cold weather you get to enjoy after a while. Excuse me. <laughs> Did you want me to grab you some more water? Um, water? Yeah, sure. Go for it, bro. Yeah. Um, cold weather? Or we stopped, have we? No, it's fine. Go oh, ahead. okay. Okay. 
Cold, cold. You got used to the cold weather. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It had its challenges. I, 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 I purchased a second-hand bike so I'd uh, ride to university. Um, it's the first time I actually owned a bike, mm-hmm. and uh, so here, and it was downhill to the university and backhill up. So you know, it was good, good for burning calories. <laughs> but <laughs> I set off one day, and suddenly. Um, I and the bike are about uh, five metres from where we were. <laughs> we did an ice patch. <laughs> On the, yeah, I was going to ask you, was it ice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you get used to that mm. and you start to pick your way much more carefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah to obviously recognise it when it's on the road. And, and you do eventually, yes, mm, you do. And it was yes. University of Aberdeen, is that? University of Aberdeen was the, uh, uh, the last university created in the medieval period. Oh, yeah, so okay. So it was the, created uh, at the end of the medieval period um, well, let's say end of, oh, I don't know, about fourteen eighty-five, something like that, and it was therefore the second university in Scotland, and so Scotland at that point had two universities, and England had two. Wow! And so the Scots, wow. compared to the English, had more higher education per capita um, than the English did, That's if I can put it that way. But you must understand that uh, Aberdeen was, in, in many respects, a country town a long way away from Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. it served, served the north of Scotland. Yeah. So you're there for three and a half years writing your PhD. Yep. And then <coughs> you said you went over there with two children. Yes. And then came back with two more. We did, yes. And then you said you also worked very hard. And your wife, so your wife is also working part-time. In some version of medical practice, yeah, but then also helping you write your PhD. Yes, yeah. How did you guys make it all work? Like it sounds like there was a lot going on. Well, you, you especially just, in a new country. Yeah, well, you you've got to talk to each other a lot. <laughs> okay, so you got to communicate, um, and you you got to fall into a pattern, um, and you've got to look out for each other. Mm. Okay, so you know, just like everything, every other marriage, I think, in many respects. Mm. Um, if you're busy, you're busy. If you're not busy, you're not busy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, tell us about your family, though. What, who are you? Who are your children? Who are my children? Um, uh, well, I've uh, one is deceased. Um, my oldest daughter has died, oh. um, but I, I have a son and two daughters. Okay, and my son Michael, uh, he's an Anglican minister at Barella. Okay. Okay, that's over near Parramatta. Yep. Over that area, if you're familiar with that. Similar. Uh, yeah, no, it's not similar. Okay. I, I know okay. I know vaguely the area, <laughs> I should say. And two daughters. Yeah. Yep. One lives in this sort of area here. She's moved into the Shire over near Cronulla and the other one lives out at Ingleburn. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you mind me asking, what happened to your other daughter? Is that what you said? Uh, she died of uh, complications for rheumatoid arthritis, mm. uh. which hit her like a, uh, uh, a truck, if I can put it that way, when she was about 19. 19. Yeah, and she died when she was 30. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. yeah. That's got to be tough. Um, so then you moved back to Australia. We did. Because you've, you've got the PhD, so you're waving the big piece of paper around? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't have PhD <laughs> many, many at many that stage. No, sorry. No, no. You've got to wait for the examiners to do it. Oh, and okay. And then, yeah. then they let you know. And yeah. usually you have to then go and speak to your examining panel face-to-face. They then ask you awkward questions. Ah, uh, yeah. So on my, on my way out, I said to my professor, I said, oh, sorry, um, do understand that at that time 
in Scotland, you only had two examiners, your supervisor and someone he had chosen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. The, nowadays, it's usually three complete strangers. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it was much more sort of relaxed in that point of view. And I said, I asked him on the way out, look, I, I take it, I'll have to fly back. And he said, oh, he said, oh my boy, he said, in, with his Scottish accent. <laughs> we, we don't normally ask someone to f- come back from that, dis- that far distance uh, for a, uh, a face-to-face examination. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got a piece of paper in the mail around about April saying I'd pass. Because <laughs> <laughs> were you already back in Australia by then? I was. Yeah, right. I was so working I'm not at coming more back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So more colleagues have put, uh, um, <laughs> employed me um, without my PhD. Okay. <clears throat> and I had a, a five minute. Uh, um, in fact, it was almost as short as my interview for my first job as this scientific <laughs> officer um, with the uh, Commonwealth Government down in Circular Quay. Um, Broughton Knox came and sort of he was travelling around with his family uh, in England as he did from time to time and he stayed with us for a couple of days and mm. uh, I think over a cup of tea he said, Hey, Robert, what, what do you think you might do when you get back? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Oh, well, Broughton, I think I'm just... You know, happy to go back into parish ministry, and that's what I'll apply for. And uh, and he said, "Hey, Robert, would you come and work with us?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> that's pretty good." Yeah, yeah, that was it. So it's kind of you kind of almost knew you probably have a job when you come back. I did. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What was that job? Um, le- a lecturer at Moore College. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah and yeah. is how long have you been doing that for? Oh. Uh, or did you start? Did you do that for? Uh, okay, so I started lecturing nineteen beginning of nineteen eighty two. I think it was eighty two. or Was it eighty uh, one? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> sure. I think I, I wasn't gave, born. <laughs> I think I gave my uh, last lecture um, probably about not necessarily uh, probably about two thousand and eighteen. So you can do the maths on that. Okay. Yeah. Why do you look at me? <laughs> you're you're, you're, you're I am not the best You've got guy. the internet in front of you. Yeah, just true. type it in there, I'll tell you. Yeah. Oh, there, there's be people on the, there'll, be, yeah, there'll be people on the, on, the, on the podcast going, oh, these guys can't do maths. <laughs> um, I'm trying to do it. I'm about to ask yeah. a like question. You're related to Leo. Come on. I'm related. Yeah. I gave him the memory. I didn't give him the, I didn't the give him the maths ability. That's close to 40 years, is it? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah it yeah. is. Yeah. That's right. Round it up. Yep. Round it up. Yeah, round, yeah. round it up like we did oh, with we'll the, say 35. Who knows? Yeah, or we'll round it yeah. up like we did with the population of Bernie and also how many podcast <laughs> listeners we've got. <laughs> no, you're quite exact on the number of podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. well not listeners, but uh, oh, okay. a number of podcasts. So... If you did it, that's a long time. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, like it's such a broad thing to ask a question about, but is that what you thought you were, God wanted you to be, like what you were called to be? Well, um, that begs the question on what do you understand is calling? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. And one of the questions that was pushed around in my cohort group when we were theological students and uh, in the context of Broughton Knox and other lecturers, including Donald Robinson, was that you would try and bring those sort of questions to what scripture teaches and you'd bring it to critique the question. 
Mm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might surprise you might find a surprising answer, but that surprising answer should become your friend. Okay. Um, if you have to adjust your original understanding or even reject it. Mm. Okay. So in that context, um, a dear friend of mine, I remember he gave a sermon on this, but we'd been talking about this for a while um, when we were students. Calling in the Bible isn't... We tend to think of, uh, and probably we've done it for centuries and centuries, I would think since at least Calvin and probably earlier, um, we think calling is a calling to a vocation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm called to be whatever. Mm. And a Christian, and we still use that language, and a Christian will think in terms of, is God guiding me? Is he calling me to become a teacher or a truck driver or whatever? Okay, yeah. Or to marry a certain person? Okay. But that's not in fact how the New Testament presents calling. If you look very, very carefully at, say, the beginning of um, Paul's letter, I think 1 Corinthians will do there, where he says, I... Paul, an apostle, a called one for Jesus Christ. That's almost literally a literal translation of the Greek. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we've translated that often as called to be an apostle. Okay. Vocation. Mm. Get it? Yeah. Okay. But the Greek won't stand that. Mm. Um, It's you're called... It's, it's a title, excuse me, <coughs> alongside the title of apostle, there's the title called, but it's with respect to Jesus Christ. Now you then start to track out the use of call language more broadly through the other writers of the New Testament and you'll see our calling is called to follow Jesus. Yeah, okay. Which is, of course, what we talk about in this church. Mm-hmm. Okay, one way. Mm-hmm. So called to be a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. and that brings, um, and with it, you, if you look at carefully at the surrounding text, uh, both great status. You're now a son and daughter of God. Mm. Um, Jesus Christ is your heavenly brother, who prays for you at the right hand of the Father. Um, you are precious to God, in His sight. Okay, you are the people of God, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it brings with it great responsibility. That is, you should act. You see the way the call language is used. You should act in certain ways uh, because you are called to Christ mm-hmm. in the way we treat each other, um, you know, ethics, if you like, morality, mm-hmm. kindness, um, telling our neighbours about the gospel and so yeah. forth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, so when you say, was I called to... Did I feel that I was guided or called to be a lecturer? The answer is no. Yep. <laughs> if I can put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so the, the yes comes out of, it's a way of serving and, yeah. uh, God's people and others, okay, and a, and a way of looking after my family and you know, putting food on the table, etc. all those sort of things go with it. Uh, and secondly, um, it's, it, it was an opportunity that was before me. That is, the second thing is the law of the nearest neighbour. Mm. Okay? So how we have to, pro, uh, I think, if I'm right in this, um, we have to prioritise how we serve. 
And the best example of that seems to me to be from the story of the prodigal son. Okay, so there's the, not the story of the prodigal son, I'm sorry, the story of the good Samaritan. Okay, so there's this guy smashed up, uh, probably a Jew uh, by implication, and three people come past, and uh, the first is a religious Jew, can't do this, got to go and do something in the temple. Uh, the second, similar, goes past, got to do something further up. And then comes a stranger, a half-Jew in fact, someone looked down on by Jewish culture, sees him and deals with him, <coughs> looks after him on the spot. Okay, So it's the law of the nearest neighbour, if I can put it that way. Yep. So if God has placed something in front of you, that needs to be done, that is what you've got to do. do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that's sort of guidance, if I can put it that way. Mm. Okay. So you could put that job in front of you yeah. and you're like, this is where I can serve. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't look broadly yep. yeah. out there to see what the needs are in the world. Yep. And in fact, that's one of the positive things about the internet and so forth. We now... Have much we now have nearest neighbours even in the Gaza Strip if I can put it that way. Yep. Yeah. Um, we have nearest neighbours uh, all over the place. We have nearest neighbours up in the Northern Territory and so on. Okay, as well as nearest neighbours who might be in our household or our local church. Mm. So in that context, yes, I was guided by God uh, <laughs> um, to to work at more college. So I, so I like that language yeah. guided rather than called. Yeah. 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 That's interesting, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. I wonder if like. In terms of, you know, you put that, people put that vocation lens across, like being called is more to do with just how our culture has developed rather than really what the Bible's saying. And I think that's what maybe you're saying mm. is that yeah. if we, we, we're going to look at that language and then critique it through the lens of the Bible yeah. rather than yeah. through the lens of culture. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, um, uh, what was his name? <laughs> the name's completely gone, but, um, uh, he was on the Struggles Over podcast and he was talking about we use the Bible to critique or affirm culture sometimes and I, f- yeah. I feel like that's a that's a, a, a good way to look at it and I think you very uh, carefully and <laughs> lovingly explained to me that maybe don't use that language in the way that you did, Joel. <laughs> that, was, that was cool. I like yeah. that. Well, that, that is true. Um, if I'm going off on a tangent here, so by all means right. cut it Just out. Just make sure you're in the microphone. Oh, so, okay. Yep, go. So what should be our Christian stance towards our culture? Mm-hmm. It's a good question and it's one we face all the time, especially mm. as uh, we've been being more and more pushed into a corner and certainly have been since the 1960s with the beginning of the sexual revolution and so on. And I recently had the privilege of uh, listening to some lectures by Chris Watkins mm-hmm. on biblical... Critical um, theory. Critical theory, yep. Yeah, okay. And he's now got a, his book is out. It's been out for a while. Mm. I, I had the privilege of being at the launch of the book 12 months ago and Very then nice. the lectures about two weeks ago. I mean, he gave three. Um, I recommend that you might, if you wish, uh, try and listen to those lectures. Go to New College, University of New South Wales website and hopefully you'll be able to find your way through to where you can see <laughs> Uh, those lectures, about an hour and a half each, 50 minutes delivery and about half an hour of answering questions. Both are worthwhile doing. 
But one of the things he is doing yeah. is examining, he's a philosopher at Monash University and therefore he's trying to understand culture, our culture, on its own terms. Yeah. And that's important. So we, we always, as human beings, tend to try and understand something on our terms yeah. and therefore yeah. to, to, to you know, bring it in obedience to us, if I can put it that way. Yeah. And our present culture does that all the time, yeah. very badly. Uh, identity politics and so on, so lots of sad stuff going on. People just shouting at each other. Um, you know, postmodernism is the dialogue of the deaf, as one philosopher wrote from London University. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's got some good things about postmodernism. Um, we're much more aware of uh, bad motives we've had as we've developed certain things in the past, and that is good. So you start to look to critique, you look critically at things. But uh, the other thing about postmodernism is it's saying the only reality is my reality mm. and therefore you end up with a dialogue of the deaf. Yeah. You have a shouting match. Okay, so that's background. So Chris Watkins um, is a philosopher and he's a good analyst, a very, very clear analyst of our present culture on its own terms, going back into sort of its earlier Enlightenment roots and so on. And he does that and then he brings to bear the scriptures on that. Uh, what might we see? That is a biblical, critical theory. Critical as in critique as well as yes and no. Yep. Okay? Yep. Yep. Um, to bear on different aspects of our culture. Mm. And what you find, if you look carefully at the Bible, um, is that it will say yes to some things and no to others. Mm. That is, we don't have to be involved in a dialogue of the deaf, shouting at each other, but we do need to be involved in a truthful way um, with our society, mm. critiquing it. Mm. Or I can put it this way. Um, truth matters, but the truth about God matters above all. Mm. Okay. And one of the things you find out as you look at the development of our culture is that as we've moved away from... God in our culture and our thinking over several centuries in different ways, um, our, our thinking has got more muddled, if I can put right. it, um, and also <coughs> with some very, excuse me, <coughs> some very bad results, especially the sexual revolution. Um, sure, I'm happy to come back to that in a moment. Okay, so, so Chris Watkins' book, <coughs> worth buying at 55 bucks, let alone watch the lectures for free. The lectures are on YouTube, I just found them. Are yeah. they? Well yes, done. They are. How long are they? Uh, they're on average probably an hour and a half each, <coughs> and there's three of them. Good, good. Mm. Okay, so, so it's on YouTube. So yeah. what would you type in to get it? Uh, Chris Watkins, New College Lectures. No, they, they come up first first result, right. so you'll, okay, you'll be able to find them if you want. Good, no worries. Good. Uh, Sorry, I've lost my way. Where no, actually, okay. I'm really enjoying it because I think it – it probably answers the question that you've been a college lecturer for 40 years. Yeah. And you, I think in talking to us about those things, you're kind of showing us what you do for a job. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Which is actually a really good way to, to understand. Yeah, sure, sure. Just in the interest of time, because we, we do have to jump out to the staff meeting soon. Oh, I thought we were going to have two hours of this. Uh, well, we no, we're we're getting getting How long was Lou? Uh, Lou was two hours and 15 minutes. Okay, we only got to go to 2.16 then. Yeah, yeah. so we're, in, we're yeah. in an hour and 15 I'm not competitive, <laughs> you understand. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I'd like to ask the final question. And yeah, I, sure. I feel like we've... Um, hmm. 
I might get you. Um, we might get you back on to do a part two. I think as well. Yeah, I feel like we've got th- so much. To I think there's about. a lot more to go. Okay, but okay. work out your questions. Let's so let's part y- two. Yeah. well, this yeah. let's let's yeah, that's a good question. Well, maybe people can send in some questions. That mm. would actually be pretty fun. Yeah. If if you, people want Rob to answer some questions, theological questions. Yeah. That would actually be a really cool way to do yeah. it. So put them in the YouTube comments or send them to me. Having said that. We only, we've only t- like barely scratched the surface of your life, but what do you think that uh, you wish you knew as a younger Christian that you know now? Well, I wouldn't quite put it that way. <coughs> Typical yeah. reply from Robert Doyle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to be interviewed by the ABC because I'd probably say to them, look, um, I suggest you ask the question this way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> then I can answer I don't think it that's actually yeah. the question. And the reason I need, you need to ask that way is because you <laughs> well, yeah. we won't go off this on is the, the ABC. All right, answer. let me just have another drink. That's right. Are you planning to be a polit- <laughs> politician, though? <laughs> <coughs> no, that's, like, that's a kind <laughs> no. of politician answer. No, you can ask I'm your ver- question. I'm I'll very grateful for those who are politicians. I think it's a very hard job. I think it would be a very, yeah, hard very job. hard job. Yep. Okay, so what was the question again? I've lost. What do you wish you knew okay. as a younger Christian that you now? Okay, know, now? look, I think I would say to myself as a younger Christian, um, from here, looking back, well, how long have I been a Christian? More than 50 years, probably 51 wow. years, okay? Which is very cool, by the way. Oh, I don't know about it being cool, it's just a length of time. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I think it's cool. <laughs> fair enough. I think I'd say, yeah, you were right to trust the promises of God mm-hmm. um, and you're right to expect God to keep those promises and that is what has held you together. Yeah, I think I'd say that. That's um, cool. Back there, so and I think if I was back there speaking to the fifty-year-older man now, yeah, who is younger than Joe Biden, but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would say from back there, well, isn't God good? Mm. He does keep his promises, and it shows his goodness. Mm. Yeah. And that I think is, I think that is what I'd say to most people. God is good, and in fact, He's good all the time. Um, I think that would be a platform from which I'd try and understand uh, what's going on in other people's lives and their minds, and seeking to you know walk with them, give them any assistance I can. Yeah, God is good. Mm. And it's uh, it's important to have that reminder, I think, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. again, in our sinfulness, we're always willing, sometimes easily tricked into thinking that's not the case. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. So we come to the sexual revolution. Another book I want you to read. Well, <laughs> you can cut it out if you don't. No, want no. To. Why don't, why don't yeah. we? Um, yeah. You happy to come back next week? Uh, uh, I think so. I'll have to check in the diary. Let's. Yeah. I reckon. Let's That's do this that. thing here. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> let's do that. I, yeah. I think. Okay. We'll, I think it would be cool to keep talking about those things. Okay. If you're okay. happy to do that. Yeah. Sure. But I'd only speaking. I'd be only speaking briefly about the sexual revolution per mm. se. Mm-hmm. But. I would be recommending a book to read. No, that's fine. Okay. You, what, yeah, you can yeah. we can rec- recommend a text for next week's podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what's the recommended reading yeah. before? Okay, now this book, um, uh, uh, I'm working on my head, Louise Perry. 
Louise Perry. I've, I've read some of her stuff. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not a Christian. She is not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a journalist, but she also uh, clearly engages in academic research, if I can put it that way. Uh, she's written a book, uh, and the title roughly is, and you can look it up online, uh, The Sexual Revolution and Why It Failed. It's not quite like that, mm. but that's what it's about. Yep. Now, she, she, throughout this book, I might say, uh, here's a, a warning, um, she's not always on side with all Christian morality in this area. Mm. The case against the sexual revolution. The case against the sexual revolution. Uh, good analysis, uh, good to read. She's a, a beautiful mm. writer, mm. very clear thinker. Um, what can I say about it? Read it. Um, Read it and then... Look, the sexual revolution, folks, is the gift from my generation <laughs> to yours. <laughs> and that's in air quotes, the word gift. All right, we'll clip that. <laughs> That'll be the clip for your podcast, I think. Okay. <laughs> thank you very much, Rob. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, uh, Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. It was yeah. good fun. Great talking with you. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I think we'll continue the conversation. If it's not next week, we'll, we're going to do it because that'll okay. be fun. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So much more to come. So much more to come. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we will wrap up this episode <clears throat> and say thank you very much to everyone listening or watching. And as always, we finish with a one way. One way. One way. One way. One way.